Well, it was September 8th, 1636, when a new institution was founded in the American colonies at the time. A few years even after this, in 1642, they introduced a mission statement. And this is what it was. Everyone shall consider as the main end of his life and studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. They even had a motto in Latin, in Christi Glorium, which means for the glory of Christ. So the primary purpose of this institution was actually to train future pastors. They didn't want any clergy to be illiterate so they could best serve the churches that they were part of. Now, does anyone want to guess what institution is that I'm talking about? Come on, somebody throw it out there. Be brave. It actually is Harvard University. Now, Harvard and almost every single other Ivy League school was actually started with foundational core Christian principles. Now, how many people today do you think if you went up and asked them, hey, what do you think of when you think of Harvard? How many people do you think would say an upstanding Christian institution that is training some amazing pastors for our world today? No, I mean, even just a few years ago, Harvard actually instituted a new chaplain for the school and it got some newsworthy notoriety because this chaplain is actually an atheist. So you think about this, that is quite a departure from the original mission of this institution. I'll do another one since that one was maybe a little harder. I bet you guys will be able to guess this one. 1844, a ministry was started to address the spiritual condition of boys in rough urban areas. And this was their mission, a refuge of Bible study and prayer for young men seeking escape from the hazards of life on the streets. So they were trying to give some young guys alternatives to what was happening in these cities. You know, there's drug abuse, there's prostitution, just unhealthy lifestyles. But over time, this organization shifted its focus from helping boys foster a relationship with Jesus into recreation and fitness. Does anyone want to try and guess this one? YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association, now often called the Y. Now, I bet there's probably some of us in here, you maybe go to the Y during the week. You know, you get your workout in, you swim in the pool. How many Bible studies do you see happening with young boys at your YMCA? Do you see them in the pool just reading their Bibles together as they're hanging out? No, you say YMCA to somebody and their brain goes to workout equipment or some, some song by the village people. Like that's what your brain actually thinks about. Now there is a term for this dynamic that plays out for so many organizations. It's actually called mission drift. So you'll see businesses drift away from the original reason they even started. Schools can drift, entire cities can drift, and even people can drift. You know, we can drift in so many areas. Our physical health can kind of drift off. Some things just move in different directions and don't fit the same. Relationships drift. You can have financial drift. If you're a student here, you can have your grades drift a little bit. But there's even spiritual drift. You know, I've been in this ministry game long enough. I've seen plenty of people who start out so passionate about Jesus, about their faith, and they drift so far, they get to a moment where they wouldn't even say they're a Christian anymore. Now, maybe that's even part of your story too, in your own journey with God. But there's often an imperceptible but undeniable drift to different areas of our lives. You probably have one area right now in your life where you're like, you know what? It's not what it used to be. It's not even what it should or it could be. It's kind of drifted just a little bit. And without intentional effort, drift is always inevitable. And you know, this is also true for churches. 
you know, every church goes through seasons where it kind of loses momentum, it kind of loses focus, it kind of starts to feel rudderless at times. And there's even entire denominations that are even unhitching their wagons from core historic Christian doctrines because they have drifted so much. Now, this dynamic and this reality that we all struggle with is one of the reasons why we are doing today our Vision Sunday, everybody. I just tell you, I love Vision Sundays. I love these. Thank you for the woos. That's right, second service. Appreciate that. Now, I know, guys, I know what it's like to kind of go through the church routine. Some of you guys, you've been in church long enough where you know where to park. You actually have almost the same parking spot every week, some of you guys. You park in the same spot. You check the kids in. You go through the routine. You sit in the same chair every single week. I see you guys. If you move 20 feet over, you would freak out. You wouldn't even know what to do in the church service. And so we know how to just kind of go through these church motions. But over time, you can just be doing this and being like, what are we even doing? Like, why am I even here on a Sunday morning? Like, like, what is the purpose of this? And it's so important, I think, for churches to make it a priority to have a rhythm of recalibrating, of just refocusing and getting fresh clarity and direction. And we'll sometimes sprinkle this in a sermon from time to time. We'll say something in the announcements. You'll get an email. But at least one week in a year, we just want to regroup as a community and answer some of these questions. Where have we been? Where are we going? What has God called Northern Hills to in this season at this time? And this is not even just about Northern Hills, everybody. This is a recalibration Sunday for all of us. You know, we just got through summer, got through Labor Day. We're starting to get back in routines. The fall season's kicking off. Football's happening. And this is a chance today for you to get refocused in your own life. Because I'm willing to bet some of us in here today, you say, you know, Brian, I kind of drifted a little bit this summer. You know, I just kind of got off pace. You know, I just got to get myself back in spiritual shape. And so today is a perfect opportunity to do that. And so we're going to go down this route of seeing what vision God has for our own lives and even for our church. And to do that, I want to start off with a little something everybody would know. Think about a target right now. You know, it's got a bullseye in the middle. We all know how these work. Every single person in here, you are aiming at something in your life right now at this moment in time. So maybe for some of us in here, the target right now for you, it's money. You, you are aiming at money. You got to make more money. You got to pay the bills. You got to figure out how to afford Colorado life, right? That might be one of your things. Some of us in here, it's actually physical health. Maybe you're trying to get back in shape. You're trying to eat a little bit better. Like that is the thing you were putting a lot of energy towards. Some of us in here, it's actually marriage. You're hoping to get married. Maybe you're hoping to fix a marriage. Maybe you're hoping to recover from a marriage that you've come out of. It could be even kids. Some of us in here, your entire life is just your kids right now. You're changing diapers. You're trying to get them to games. You're trying to manage their schedules. You are literally a professional chauffeur. That is all you're doing with your life right now. But even maybe, maybe you guys are like me. I've got my aim right now on vacation. Okay. Had a couple of days coming off. Maybe you're just looking forward to the next three-day weekend. You're like, I want some vacation. You're aiming at something right now. Now, all those things are good. They're totally fine. They're actually really important. You got to make money. Got to take care of your family. But none of those things are actually the bullseye that God has for us. None of those things are what God wants to be at the center of the target for our lives. Now, churches actually also have targets. I'm gonna let you guys just in on the insider conversation here. Every church is aiming at something. So some churches, the aim is organizational excellence. Like we just wanna get all the programs humming, all the transitions to be smooth, the lighting to just be popping, everything just be working so well. That's good stuff. It's not a bad thing. It's actually important. 
Some churches, though, maybe you've been part of these churches, theological brilliance. It is all about the doctrine, right? They got every single little nuance of their theology figured out. They have a 400-page theology document you have to read before you become a member. Like, it's just a deal. Now, is doctrine important? 100% it matters. Not actually the central part of the target. Just keep following me. Some churches are all about brand coolness. You see these churches on social media, every post just like, looks perfect. Every person who goes to the church looks like they come from a modeling agency. Like everybody's just good looking. Like this church is like that, okay? Not a bad thing. There's even churches, the target really for them is national reformation. So here, a lot of these rallies of like, hey, we need to take this country back for God. And, and don't mishear me. We should be very concerned about a country. We should be involved citizens. I think Christians have a role to play in politics. Absolutely. Super important. Not the bullseye, though. Even one other thing, so many churches would say, well, it's social connection then. Like, we got to help every single person have a best friend. This needs to be a community. It's a family. So important. Every church should be doing that. But also, not actually the bullseye. Jesus himself actually gives us the bullseye for our lives and for his church. There was a moment in his ministry when Jesus had already defeated sin and death. He rose from the dead after being crucified on the cross, and he gave this final charge to his followers before he ascended to heaven. This was the rally cry for his people. This is what he says in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What a bold claim for Jesus to make. He's like, you got to understand, I am the Lord. I am king of heaven and earth. The entire trajectory of human history has forever been altered by the resurrection of Jesus. And this changes everything about our bullseye. This changes everything about how we are supposed to focus our lives. And Jesus gives this charge. He says, you need to be about making disciples. Now, all a disciple is, is somebody whose entire life has been reoriented around Jesus. They've experienced this transformation from him. So then what is the bullseye? What does God want the center of our lives and even our churches to be about? Well, the center is life change. God wants us to be aiming for total transformation that can only be accomplished by the power of Jesus himself. Yes, you got to pay your bills. Yes, you got to get Timmy to school. Yes, you should probably eat well and do all these things and churches should care about being organized and all those things. But the bullseye, the thing that is most important, most central is lives changed by Jesus. Now, this is so important that Jesus doesn't just make this like a side project. You know, this isn't like a little Etsy shop side hustle for Jesus. This is a big deal. He says, you need to go everywhere and do this. You need to go anywhere and do this. You need to go to all of the wares. So you should be going to Broomfield and making disciples. You should go to Erie. You got to go to Commerce City and Frederick and Firestone and Thornton. You even should go to Boulder, Colorado and do this. Actually, you especially need to go to Boulder, Colorado. They need a lot of help out there, actually. Okay. So, but he's saying go everywhere. Missouri, Illinois, Florida, Tennessee, Oklahoma, all the states. Go to all the continents. South America, go to Africa, go to Europe. To be a Christian is by definition to be someone who is going. 
Somebody who is on mission for the purposes of God. And so as we refocus our lives today, everybody, as we refocus our church, we must be about going. I had a uh, conversation with a friend just a little while back. And we just were having just small talk, but we got in the direction of talking about just church and God and all those things. And so we got to a point in the conversation where I was like, I think maybe the door just cracked open here. Maybe I have a window of opportunity. So I told this guy, I said, hey, man, why don't you come to church with me sometime? Like, you never come, just come check it out. Like, would love to have you come sit with me. It'll be a good time. You would have thought I asked this guy to kidnap puppies with me. <laughs> he, he looked at me like, what are you even talking about? Like, why would I come to church with you? Like, that is so weird. No, I am absolutely not coming to church. Now, some of us in here, you are actually old enough where you can remember a day when attending church was not just an acceptable thing to do, it was actually kind of expected on some level. Like, there was a day in our country where going to church kind of had some cultural pressure to it. Like you were the weird one if you didn't go to church. And even if you weren't that consistent with it, you absolutely never missed Easter or Christmas. You at least checked those two boxes a year, right? That was how it worked. Now we are at a new moment in our history because just a few years ago, the entire strategy of churches was find a town and build a building. And then people just show up. They're just gonna come and they're gonna make it happen. You build it, they will come. And now it's shifted massively, especially in a place like Colorado, because the large majority of people are never going to come to a church on their own initiative. They're not. It doesn't matter how much pain they're in. It doesn't matter what kind of questions they're asking or what kind of tough season they're going through. Most people do not view church as the place you go to for answers to your questions or help in your life. And some of us in here, maybe you're thinking that at some point in time, your neighbor or your friend or your coworker or family member is gonna come up to you one day and start begging you to wake them up on their day off, to drag them to a building full of strangers that they don't know, so then I can yell at them for 40 minutes. And you're hoping that day is gonna come. And let me just tell you, that day is not coming. <laughs> They're not coming. They're not coming. And this actually has created a lot of fear in the church world these days. There's a lot of pastors freaking out right now because churches are in decline. There's a lot of churches dying by the thousands every single year. And so there is a lot of fear and hesitation right now. I'm willing to bet though, that Jesus is not very concerned. I don't think he's sweating this a whole lot because I think Jesus would say, well, what did you expect? I never set this thing up that way for people just to come to you. I called you to go. I called you to be on mission and go to them. That's how this works. And the reason this is so important is when you get your bullseye right, you realize, oh, I am supposed to be the one going and working towards seeing people's lives change. It changes the entire lens you use in the way you view your life. So just in the last couple weeks, I actually um, started coaching my son's soccer team. So there's a bunch of little five-year-olds running around, you know. Nothing will humble you more than trying to coach five-year-olds and playing soccer. And I, I even still remember at our first practice, I like get down and I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to pick a team name, okay? This is going to be awesome. So I'm like, what do you guys want the team name to be? And there's this one kid whose eyes get as big as his head. He's like, Coach Brian, we're going to be 
the fire trucks. <laughs> and then another kid's debating me. He's like, no, we're going to be the bearded dragon leopard lizards or whatever it was. I'm like, you know, can we shorten this up a little bit? So we, we, we uh, compromised on cheetahs. So we're the cheetahs now, okay? Now, with this soccer coaching thing, I uh, absolutely want the kids to have fun. I want them to get some exercise. I want them to learn how to play sports. I want all those things. And if Easton were to become some international soccer superstar and allow me to retire early, I would be all for it. All the signs are indicating that it is absolutely never going to happen in his life. I'm not banking on it. But see, my bullseye is different now because of what Jesus has done in my life. So my bullseye isn't, I need my son to be the best soccer player on the team. Or I need my son to make me look good out there on the soccer field. That's not my bullseye. See, my bullseye changes the entire way I view any of the practices or the games. Because I'm going with this mindset of God. I know you strategically place me at different locations and spheres at different times in my life. And so I don't think this is by accident. And so who do you want me to love on on this team? What parents do you want me to really just be present for and care for? What kids can I really show the love of Jesus to? And how can I be living on mission even when it just comes to coaching these little kids for this soccer team? There's a woman in our church who almost every single week, she comes up to me after services like, hey, Brian, have you met my friend? This is Susan. She'll come next week and be hey, Brian, have you met Rachel? This is my friend, Rachel. She'll come next week and be like, Brian, have you met Nancy before? And I'm like, lady, I don't even have this many friends. How are you getting this many people to church? This is ridiculous. And it's incredible, though. But if you were to ask this lady, like, how do you even make that work? How does that operate? She'd be like, well, here's the thing. I, I know what my bullseye is. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm a teacher. I care about my students in the public school system. That's important. I'm a mom. That's huge. It's a great call. But I'm called to go. And so she is living on mission. She's not waiting for them to come to her. She is going to them. So, church, if you're a Christian, you're called to go. And when we think about Northern Hills, it's been cool this last year. We have seen hundreds of new people at the church. It's been great. We've got more baptisms this year than all of last year combined. All those things are wonderful. And it's great. I want you guys to know, though, that I don't live and die by the numbers. I think it's a dangerous game for churches to fall into. I'm just trying to chase after something. The one thing that does encourage me about that, though, is it shows me that we have people in our church that are going. We've got people living on mission, looking to help introduce people to Jesus and his church. And some of you guys, you might be some of those newer people to our church. Maybe you've come the last few months, in the last year, maybe you were even baptized. I just want to say, we're so glad to have you here. I hope this place starts to feel like home. I hope this really starts to feel like family for you. That is really what we want. But it's not even just going for the sake of what happens right here at Northern Hills, everybody. We want to go in so many different directions too. This is why we have the Northeast Elementary Partnership. You know, we, take, we partner with this Title I school right in the area. And it's not just so we can help tutor these kids and we can love on them and give them supplies because we know these are low-income families. We want to bring the love of Jesus to these families in this school. We want them to know that there is a church fund. This is why we partner with A World Aware. And it's not just so we can serve third world countries in Africa and, and partner with them. It's so we can help them experience life change. This is why we partner with Global Action this year to help support some pastors in Ukraine. Not just because they have all these massive issues going on with this war right now, which is massively important. It's also though so we can help them see life change happen in their country. This is why we worked with the Strategic Launch Network this year to help see the Father's House, a new church in Oakland, be able to start up and get real strong because we know life change needs to happen in a city 
that desperately needs it. This is why we partner with Ethnos 360 to do Bible translation and train pastors because we want to help them see life changes people encounter the Word of God. And this is why we're going to reignite an amazing partnership with Compassion that I'll talk about in the coming months so we can partner with people to help raise these kids up to know Jesus and have their lives changed. So to be a Christian is by definition to be somebody who is going, who is living on mission to see life change happen all around them. So I'm wondering today, who has God called you to go to? Where has he placed you to live on mission? Your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, your friend circle. If you're a disciple in this place, you are a follower of Jesus, you have a calling and a responsibility from Jesus himself to be somebody who goes. It's not just the going piece, though. There's another side to this as well that Jesus talks about. We also must be about growing. Now, Jesus finishes the command here in verse 19. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, there is a moment in churches that we all celebrate and we should. This is a massive moment, okay? And it's huge and it's a big deal. It is the moment of decision for somebody. This is a moment somebody comes to faith. This is massive. It changes their eternal trajectory forever. It's huge. And there's a lot of churches that measure and look at this in different ways. But in, in many churches, you'll see hey, like, hey, if you'd like to receive Jesus, whatever, like raise your hand and you'll see us do that. And that's something you'll see more of. It's totally legitimate. Now, the hand raising thing is totally fine. I'll sometimes talk to my past friends. You know, we catch up. They'll say, Brian, 37 people raised their hands this week. I'm like, yes, praise God. I'm doing a dance over that. A hundred people raise their hands. I'm like, that is amazing. I'm always going to celebrate that. Sometimes I cannot help myself, though. And I ask this question. So how many of those people's names do you know? How many of those people are getting baptized? How many of those people are getting connected to the life of the church? Because sometimes we make a mistake as a church. And we focus so much on the moment of decision that we miss out on the critical lifetime journey of discipleship. You see, making disciples is not just about a moment of decision. It's about a lifelong journey of growing in your relationship with Jesus, growing in your faith, growing in your holiness, growing in every single area of your spiritual life. And we don't want to just be some event on Sunday for everybody. We want to be a church that is growing deeper and stronger in every single way. Now, I want to give you guys some history on this and how this has kind of looked at our church. Some of you old timers, you're going you're gonna to recognize some of these references. There have been some seasons at Northern Hills where maybe you remember some of you guys were here for the Rooted days. You remember Rooted was like a big thing for a little while. I'm going to talk to like people who've been here for a long time. If anybody remembers, remembers Full House, you have been here forever, okay? If you remember that, you've been here forever. Now, there's been all these different things. But let me just be honest with everybody. We've had some fits and starts with this. It's been kind of clunky. And then COVID hit. And then pretty much all the core discipleship things at the church pretty much went on hold. It's all the churches tried to figure out how to survive and stuff. And I, I mean, I'm hoping there's some grace for that because, you know, that was just a chaotic time for so many people in churches. And then just to make things even more complicated, then I came on staff shortly after that as a new pastor. So I'm the new guy just breaking everything and ripping the engine up and all that. And so this is just going all over the place. 
Now, you guys, if you've been here for any length of time, just the last year or two, you've noticed like, okay, we got the women's ministry trying to go and we're trying to get that moving. And we got some men's stuff happening. And we were trying to just get our church back to used to being in community. So some of you guys might remember being in a sprint group. We were just doing these four-week groups just to get people back in the habit of connecting. But I want you guys to know, I'm letting you peek behind the curtain right now. We have known this entire time that these things have not been sufficient to serve the discipleship needs of our church. We have been painfully aware of how far short we have fallen when it comes to really effectively helping people grow in this. So I want to let you guys know now where we're headed as a church. And we're going to keep working hard on this for years to come. This fall, we are now officially launching our entire group's network for the entire church. And so what this means is throughout the entire year, every year, we will have ongoing opportunities for deeper community, for people to cultivate real relationships, to really make this church a family. And we know that everybody's life is different. You got different schedules, different seasons of life, different demands, and that is why these groups are totally decentralized. So that means we don't tell you what the schedule has to be, when it has to be. So it can meet on a different night, a different day. It can cover a different topic. It can be for a certain age group or demographic because we know everybody has different needs at different points on their spiritual journey. So we want to make sure we help serve you. We're all in different places. And you'll notice that as we do this, we're going to kind of work with the rhythm of the year too. So we're kicking off our fall season of groups right now. And we'll take a little break around Christmas because it gets busy and crazy and <laughs> it's hard for anybody to keep up with stuff. And we'll pick it right back up in the new year. And then in the summer, we'll have some different opportunities and there will always be ways for people to get connected. But it's not even just the groups. Now you guys are going to see an ongoing cycle of classes in our church as well, where we'll be focusing on different subjects at different times. Because I know some of us in here, you just need some content. Like you, you need something that you can dig into and hang on to. So one of the classes coming up here is Alpha here in just a couple weeks. And this is for anybody new to the faith, exploring the faith. And you're going to be able to ask the questions you want to ask. It'll be right here at the church, a good neutral environment. And then you'll see, guys, in coming months, there'll be classes for going deeper in your faith, learning how to read the Bible, evangelism, finance, parenting. We want to really equip people to grow deeper in their faith. But I haven't forgotten either about our men's and women's ministry either. So that's why even men's is going to be launching off here in the fall. And we're working so hard to keep improving the way we can raise up men in this church to live out the call they have on their lives. But ladies, also you as well, and being able to find community and connect and so both of these ministries, we made a little bit of a change. We put them both on Wednesday night because we realized a lot of married couples, the guy would come one day of the week, the lady would come another day. You just gave up two days of your week. Then you mix in soccer practice and everything. Before you know it, you've been at church nine days last week and it's just a lot, okay? So we put it all in one night and we're providing free childcare because we're like, we want to give mom and dad a chance if you're married and have kids. We don't want anything to get in the way of you being able to do that if you want to do it. And the cool thing about the men's and women's is we try to set up to make it very easy for somebody to come in if you're new. You can find a table, meet some people. It's very low key, very easy to do that. that, that that's the heart of it. Now, I want you guys just to know, we don't want to just be a church that's going. We want to grow. We want to walk on this journey together. So it's not even just about a decision you made at one point in your life. It is about a discipleship journey you're on with God. But as you see all these new things launching and things will keep getting better and improving over time, there is a mantra I've been using with our staff in the last couple months. And it is Chick-fil-A, not Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> Does anybody know where I'm going with this? <laughs> so who here has been to a Cheesecake Factory before? Do you remember looking at the menu of a Cheesecake Factory? Do you remember this experience? 
If you have not been to Cheesecake Factory, there are over 250 menu items just on this thing alone. It's 21 pages. Some of you guys, that's the longest book you have ever read in your life, the Cheesecake Factory menu. It goes on and on forever. Even when you finish the menu, there's a whole separate special two-page menu outside of that. It's unbelievable. Now, you think of a Chick-fil-A. If you go to Chick-fil-A and you look at the menu on top, you're going to notice something. The only thing you can really order is chicken. That's on the menu. That's what you get if you go to Chick-fil-A. You can ask the lady in the front, hey, do you guys have hamburgers here? She'll be like, yes, we do. Chicken hamburgers. You ask, well, do you guys got fish? Though I like fish. Yes, we do. We have chicken fish. Well, pork? Yes, we have chicken pork. We have chicken. We can grill it. We can fry it, put it in a salad, make it nuggets, but you're going to get chicken when you come here. Now, what's amazing about that is even though Chick-fil-A's menu is actually pretty minimal, they served over 2.1 billion guests just last year alone. And what I'm trying to speak to is a dangerous trap we all fall into in our own lives, but can also become an issue in a church. So this applies to your personal life as well. This is the trap. We think more is better. And so if I just pack my schedule, i got a million things going on. This is the best thing for my kids, having 27 activities. i got just got to keep staying busy because that's how I find my value. You're just running around and you're getting yourself all burned out. And churches do this too. We say, well, we got to have something for everybody. So that's why we got 27 sports leagues. You want to be in mini golf? We got a mini golf one. You want to do curling? We have curling. We can do all the different types of things you want to do. We even have 107 outreach ministry opportunities. They're all terrible, but we have 107 of them. And this is really just a conviction I have. And again, this applies to life, church as well. Busy church is not always better church. We confuse quantity of church involvement with quality of spiritual growth. That was actually a pretty good line right there. That was, that was pretty good. I'm just saying, no, but no, you don't have to clap. I'm just saying, that's a pretty good line. Those things are not always correlated. And don't hear me wrong, though. This is just honest, honest talk here. Most of us in here, we would actually benefit from a little bit more church involvement. Really, truly. Most of us in here, you're kind of fringy. Like, I'll see you again at Christmas. It was great seeing you in September. I'll see you guys in a couple months. But that, that, that truly is usually the case for most people. But I also know the other side is not a healthy thing ever, either. Because you'll have somebody who's like, okay, well, I went to the early prayer morning meeting, and then, I, and then I joined the Bible study, and then I went to both services on the weekend, because why not? Why not get a little extra Jesus? Then I stopped by the men's ministry during the week, and I said, you know, why not? I'll just go to the women's ministry, too. It's 2023. Why not? I'm just going to join everything. And then I'm in three small groups, and before you know it, You've got no friends outside the church. You've got no margin for people who are far from God. You can't coach your kid's team, and you're totally burned out on Jesus. That's not a win. And so we've been talking to the staff. How do we make sure we focus our energy on the core menu items that will provide the greatest spiritual nourishment for our church? That's what we want to focus on. So it's not just about trying to grow larger on Sundays, everybody. We need to grow deeper and stronger as a community. And so Hebrews 10 even says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day, capital D, approaching. I love that word, the writer of Hebrews uses spur. It means to like provoke somebody, to even like, motivate them towards action to get their juices flowing. You know, the one place you see this happen 
and it's definitely going to be happening a lot this fall. You know where you see a lot of spurring on going? The huddle before a football game. You ever see these huddles before? Like these guys are on the same team. They're like pushing each other out. It looks like a fight is starting to break out in this huddle. But they're spurring each other on because they want to win the game. They're trying to get their juices going. This is what Coach Prime is doing at CU. He is spurring that program on that has been dormant for years. And it's working. Now that's just a football game. Okay? Not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. The writer of Hebrews talks about the day. This is the ultimate game day. This is when the buzzer is going to go off for all of human history. And God is going to bring his plans all together. Jesus is going to return. The kingdom of heaven is going to come all together with earth. This is a massive deal. And he's saying, if you see that day coming, you really got to be spurring each other on. You got to be motivating each other because we are not called to win a game. We are called to win a war. That is what we are called to. You need people to spur you on. You need people that you can do life with. You can't win this war alone. You will not be able to fight it on your own. And some of us in here, you have drifted spiritually. You are not where you used to be with God. And I have to challenge you today. You, you just can't be okay with that. You have to take that very seriously. The drift is very real. And I want to challenge some of you this fall to really be serious about getting in the men's ministry, checking out women's, seeing if there's a group. All these things are getting started here in the next and following weeks. And I know that some of us in here, you'd say, Brian, I've checked some of those things out. There's just nothing that really gets my attention, doesn't really scratch the itch. Well, we would love to help you start something that would. You want to start a group for Young Seagulls? Go ahead and start the group. You want to start an online group because you travel a lot or you're out of state? We would love to help you do that. We will help you cook the chicken any way you want. We'll fry it, grill it, do whatever you want for it. We'll help you make it happen. I also know there's a lot of people, though, that would say, you know, Brian, I've tried this thing before. You know, I've been in a group before. I've done the class stuff. And there's always like that weird person in there that nobody really likes. And then it's just kind of awkward and it's just not really fun. I've tried this. Did you see what the writer of Hebrews said, though? Not giving up meeting together. Have you ever gotten a bad haircut before? Did you stop getting haircuts after that? You do the church thing long enough, you're going to have some bad experiences. You're going to have some people you don't jive with. But it doesn't mean you give up on Christian community, on spurring each other on, because you desperately need it for your own life. So church, we got to go, but we also got to grow. Now there's one key ingredient though, if all these things are going to come together and it's essential for this whole thing, we must be bold. Now, Paul at this moment in a letter he's writing is talking about just this kingdom of heaven plan God has the day, all the things the Hebrews writer is talking about. And he says, if that's the case, this is what our response should be. He says in second Corinthians, therefore, since we have such a hope, since we know Jesus is coming back, since we know this is an urgent thing, we are very bold. I have a friend that I met here in Colorado and we were going to the same church at that time. And there was a girl in the church he was crushing on. Okay, he was, he's really into this girl. And one time she was walking across the church building. He and I were hanging out and he goes, Brian, there she is. I'm going to shoot my shot. Sometimes you just got to shoot your shot. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard that language before, shoot your shot. But really what it just means is you need to take a chance 
whether you fail or not. You gotta have the audacity to do something that might even make you look stupid. You gotta take advantage of the window of opportunity before it closes. And so this guy, he just took his shot with his girl. And what was so cool about that is not long after that, I ended up performing his wedding and he even just had his second child last week with this lady. I mean, it was pretty incredible. This dude shooting his shot. I mean, it was kind of funny. But here's why I say this. The fear of failing has prevented more miracles and works of God than anything else. It's actually not the devil. It's not our culture. It is Christians unwilling to take a step because they're afraid of what may or may not happen. When I stepped in as the pastor last year, I was just trying to get the lay of land. I'm trying to meet people, you know, just figure out what was going on. There was actually one part of our church that really, really bothered me. And it was actually the playground area right at the side of our church. I took that picture soon after I started. And the reason it bothered me so much was we have this whole playground area and it just screamed to me, we don't care about kids. And I looked at it too. I drive in every day and be like, that says our best days are behind us. That's what that says. And every Sunday, the kids would come to kids ministry and they couldn't even go outside because that thing was a total dump. And we talked about getting Hills Academy started and we couldn't even send them outside there because it was such a mess. And I finally got to a moment where I'm like, you know what? I need to shoot a shot here because I just can't even take this anymore. It's driving me insane. And so that's when I went in front of our church last year. I said, guys, we got to do something. We got to serve kids better. If we're going to be about kids, we really got to be serious about this. And you guys responded and you were so generous. And thankfully now, praise God, this is now what the playground looks like after a little bit of work. We're really grateful. That is an improvement. That is definitely an improvement. Now, every day during the week now, I see kids playing out there out the window and they're running around and they're laughing and they're having so much fun and they're making these early memories and they're getting these positive experiences with the church. And I get a little emotional when I see it because I'm like, I am so thankful to be a part of a church that was willing to believe in something that we didn't even see yet. We were willing to be bold and just shoot a shot. And trust me, church, I want to do so much more in that area, okay? There is more to come in that spot. That was just some lipstick on a pig right there, okay? We got plans. <laughs> now, can I have a real honest moment with our church right now? Can, can I just be very transparent? It was a few months ago when Ascent Academy approached us, this charter school. And they said, hey, can we check out your building with you? And so these four high-level executives in suits and all these things show up, and I'm just walking around the building with them. And I had this moment where I actually felt kind of embarrassed. And what was going through my mind was there are so many places both inside and outside our building that do not properly reflect what is actually happening in this church. Because, church, we are in a season where there is a vibrancy to our church right now. We are seeing people saved. We are now seeing people baptized by the hundreds even in our church. I'm so grateful. God is moving in this place. And as we're walking around this church, I'm looking at water damage dripping down from the ceilings, chipped paint everywhere, carpet that's ripped up. And I had this moment. I still remember the moment it hit my mind. I was like, I wonder if these guys think we're struggling as a church. I wonder if they think we're just another church in decline and it's just a matter of time before we close our doors. And hear me, church, there have been very good reasons 
for the lack of some of those upgrades. Sometimes it was just because the funds weren't there. Okay, it couldn't happen. Other times there's been other ministry priorities and things that had to happen. Generosity we wanted to show in other places. But hear me, our building and our property is one of the greatest assets we have to make an impact in our community. It really is. This space gives us an opportunity for people to encounter God, for people to get connected in community, to experience the generosity, the hospitality of our church. Every single week, there's over 300 kids in this building being loved on and cared for. That number could easily be over 500 in the very near future. We have ministries happening all throughout our church during the week. We have outside organizations that are bringing hundreds and hundreds of people in this building for their own events. And hear me, this is not just about having clean bathrooms or chairs to sit on. We want to create an environment for people to feel at home from the moment they come in so they can feel the vibrancy and life that is pulsating through our church from God himself. So Northern Hills can be a hub of transformation in people's lives and connection, not just to other people, but to Jesus himself. And so I just started dreaming. I'm like, man, what would it look like for us to actually have a world-class property and facility that could serve our community in the best way possible. And so in the last couple months, we actually posted some jobs on the church website because we just needed help with facilities and operations and HR and all the different things. I mean, one day I'd be like calling an HVAC guy and be like, okay, so that's how you fix the thing on the roof. And then I call the other plumber guy. I'm like, so what do I do with this toilet that exploded in the building? And I'm like, oh yeah, then I got to prep a sermon somewhere. And there's still those 10 people that need counseling. And I got to do the wedding. I'm like, you know what? This is not sustainable at all. I'm about to die. So we start putting these jobs up. And this one role, I just made a quick little passing comment on Sunday. I said, hey, if you want to check this stuff out, check it out on the website. Well, I get a text from a man in our church that Sunday. He says, hey, you want to give me some more detail on that? I'm just kind of curious. And we start talking. And he says, hey, can you just, I'm just wondering, can you just give me an idea of just the pay range for that? Now, I've learned something very important in the church world. You never answer that question quickly. Because what I've learned is that number is always less than the number they're making. So I, I kind of said, well, how much are you making right now? Maybe you just give me an idea. And he was, he was generous. He's like, hey, just in full transparency, this is kind of where I'm at. I said, perfect. If you divide that number by four and then cover it by two and move the decimal over, it's perfect. It actually fits just right. But I told him, dude, it's far below that level. But he's like, you know, let's just keep going on the journey and praying. And he brought me to where he was working, and I saw the total transformation that this guy brought to his workplace. Unbelievable operations, systems, the transformation to the ground. So I was like, oh my goodness, we have to figure out a way to get this guy. This is unbelievable. This could change the whole game for Northern Hills. And we got to the moment where I actually had his family over at our house, his wife and his kids. And I still remember a moment that afternoon when I looked at his wife, I said, do you understand what this really means for you guys? Like, are you really willing to make this sacrifice? And I'll never forget this moment from this wife. She looked at me without hesitating. She said, Brian, God has been preparing my husband for this his entire life. I know he is called to this. And we are more than willing to make this sacrifice. And so what was so cool is this man from our very own church, Matt Montgomery, just started in the last few weeks as our new director of operations, which is very cool for our church. Very, very cool. 
and he's got so much experience, totally transforming organizations and facilities and all things. But it's so cool how God fits things together. He's also got a master's in education, so he hit the ground running with Ascent and Hills Academy. It's so cool how God brings that all together. But even just in the last six weeks, Matt has already been completely transforming the operational side of our church. And the plans he's been putting together to completely transform this place are so inspiring and exciting. I wish I could share them all with you today, but you will see some changes happen in church, especially at the turn of the year as we get these breaks when the kids aren't in this building, you're going to start noticing that we're taking this very, very seriously. And we're going to go at the speed of our generosity and the availability of resources, but I am praying that we're going to be able to move a lot faster than we even expected. That is what I'm praying for. So, you know, praise God for that. Now, there's a passage that has just been on my mind, and it, it just feels like a theme for our church. And it's something that I've just felt so strongly about. And as we get ready to close, I just want to read this passage. It's Ephesians 3. Paul says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, I am actually a vision guy. Everybody, I, I don't struggle to think big. That is actually a core strength of mine. But something kind of surprised me these last couple weeks. I felt God challenging me. I felt him pressing up on me. And I felt God saying, Brian, you need to ask bigger. You need to expand your imagination even more than you are because you think you're asking big right now. You think that you're even asking for too much, that you're even stretching beyond the limits of what's possible. And this is where I felt God get in my face a little bit. And I've never felt it, never felt it like this way before. I felt God saying, Brian, I want this more than you do. I want to see life change more than you. I want to see my kingdom move forward in Colorado and beyond way more than you do. So Brian, I need you to be bold. I need you to be willing to step out and ask big. You need to imagine way bigger than you are for the sake of what I want to do here in this world. So Brian, would you please shoot your shot? I need you to shoot your shot. And so church, can we just expand our imagination for a moment together right now? Can we just imagine for a moment? Just imagine pulling into our property and already from that moment, you are experiencing the life and vitality and goodness of God because of how intentional and cared for and maintained this whole thing was. You're already experiencing. Imagine the west side of our building, not just being a few picnic tables with dead grass and prairie dog holes all over the place and a parking lot that has rocks and briars and thorns everywhere. What if that actually was a world-class community space? where people can connect and experience real community and have their lives changed? What if it was so compelling that we could hold events and concerts and it'd be nice enough where people would even want to have their weddings on that space and make memories forever? Imagine with me the east side of our building not just being an armpit with a nasty overflowing dumpster on it. What if that side of our building really had spaces where families would even want to come during the week and meet up because it was such a great space to create community and connection? What if it even competed with Denver Premium Outlet Mall with the space that it was? I'm just saying, expand your imagination a little bit with me. Imagine every entrance 
of our church. When you would come in from the very first steps, you're experiencing the warmth and the vibrancy and excellence that would make anybody say, whatever is happening at this church, I want to be a part of it. Now hear me, everybody. This is not just about a building. It's not just about some landscaping. You gotta ask bigger. You gotta expand your imagination. So will you, will you imagine with me just for a moment? Imagine a church where the moment people walk in, they experience the undeniable presence of God. Imagine a church where someone who comes in for the first time is not just lost in a crowd, but they are welcomed into a family. Imagine a church where the love and power of Jesus is so palpable, we are seeing people saved on a daily basis and their lives completely transformed. Imagine for a moment a church where kids are not just being babysat during church services, but they are being raised up by the thousands to go into the world boldly to transform it from the inside out. Just imagine a church that is not just making a mark on the north side of Denver, but is making an impact all across the state and beyond the boundaries of Colorado. Just imagine a church that ignites a worship movement that impacts the souls of people all around the world. Church, we have a God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. This is not the time to play defense. This is not the time to retreat in fear. It is time to be bold. It is time to shoot our shot. This is all according to his power. It is all for his glory for every generation forever and ever. Church, we're just getting started. And I need some people to come with me on this journey. Expand your imagination and get ready for what God is going to do. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for what you are doing in this place. God, I thank you for your grace on this community. I thank you just for the spiritual vibrancy and vitality you are bringing. And Lord, I thank you that you are a God who can do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. And I thank you for already doing that, even for me, Lord. You've exceeded my expectations for what could happen in a short amount of time. But Lord, we are asking for more right now. We want to ask bigger. We want to expand our imagination for what is possible. God, I pray you would make Northern Hills a church that is bold for the things of the kingdom. I pray that we would be a church that is fearless as we go out and bring your love to people and share the good news of Jesus. I pray that we would be a church that would not settle for complacent, casual, cultural Christianity, but we would be hungry to grow deeper and stronger in our faith. That we could win this war, not just play a game. God, I pray that you would fill every single one of us to step out and shoot our shot with this one life we have, with this one opportunity to make an impact on eternity, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would do so far beyond what we could ask or imagine. The only way we could explain it is that this must be the very power of God working in this church. This must be a very God who wants to see his glory come through. And I pray, Lord, that we truly would leave an impact for generations to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.